What's good, people? It's your boy, Caesar here, and this is an episode of The Hybrid Club. Hope all is good. You know where to find us on the socials at The Hybrid Club, and you know where to find me at C-E-A-S-E-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-
there are very few teams who go on to win the Premier League who lose their starting striker for three or four months of a season and win it. So we need Jesus back. So seeing him in those pictures was great, but I didn't think really he'd have a chance of being in this game. I thought, you know, depending on how well he did, best case scenario, he's on the bench. And I really didn't see him playing unless we were absolutely cruising. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, youth players on on the bench i didn't expect any of them to get minutes and when you see where those youth players were on our bench they were in attacking positions which basically meant the changes we were going to make will, would all be to defensive midfield so in terms of going out and winning the game it's very much the players that started the game that were tasked with winning the game and then it would be our subs that would see it out and that pretty much looked like the the plan in terms of what was attempted but what took place was a drunken night of Europa um, is the only way I could probably put that. In the first half, our passing was sloppy at best. Zinchenko, Shaka, even Jorginho, all of them just giving away simple balls that invited pressure. Sporting do not have our quality. Decent team, like their manager, decent team, but they absolutely 100% do not have a quality. They have quality in moments. You know, Edwards is a moments player, Trincao is a moments player, uh, Pedro, Pedro Gonzalez is a, a moments player, but they do not have our quality. We, if we controlled our passing and played like we know we could play, we could have, you know, seen them off two, three nil. Really, it could have been that. Our sloppiness invited um, them into this game, and they made it a transition game. They made it a sort of a bitty kind of um, tetchy affair that just, you know, invited mistakes and invited pressure. But ultimately, this is what happens when you rotate. We spoke about this in a preview pod, rotation, rotation, rotation. It's very much a case that when these games come around, particularly at this stage of the Europa League, you need to rotate. You have to manage minutes, not because you're expecting the players to be tired at this stage of the season, but you have to manage their minutes across the entire season. So you don't just say, okay, you're exhausted, you sit down. No, you you rest players so that they don't get exhausted or at least you put off you know, the time within which they would become exhausted. So you have to rotate for these games. It's as simple as that. We all know it. Um, it's not a surprise, but when you do rotate, you lose those automatisms. You lose the fluency, you know, the fluidity of, of, of the teammates is broken and that just leads to, you know, sloppy play, you know, the balls slow down, teammates don't necessarily know exactly where they're going to be. Or if they do, there's, you know, there's slight differences, right? So even if everyone is fully up to speed with the tactics and the positional play and people know where people are supposed to be, there's still that coherence and, and, and an understanding you have of your teammates where you know the exact weight to place on a ball because you know the exact sort of pace that player has to be able to land it at, at their feet or you know exactly what kind of curve to put on the ball just because that player is going to, you know, bend that run in that particular way. There's just subtle nuances about the way you know how your teammate is going to play. But when you make the kind of changes we made, when you make five or six changes to a side, all of that's kind of lost, really. Um, you know, you need a situation kind of like a Man City where you have a Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Foden. You know, you've got though that kind of quality of player that you can swap in and out to the point where actually they're so good you don't lose fluency really, but there aren't many teams who can rotate their midfield and have the exact same quality and have that quality be world class. That that's not really something. Now, of course, following the the summer transfer window, Arsenal are trying to up, I suppose, the quality of of their midfielders. We'll see if they get themselves, we'll see if we get ourselves to a point where that's the case. But for now, you know, while these are all very good players, we have the rotation is is going to cause issues and we saw that here um i did think that Vieira was getting on the ball moving it well one of my criticisms of him in the past and i say criticisms not strong criticism not serious criticism just like like criticism for a player who's young new to the league new to the club finding his feet you know getting stronger getting fitter just one of my things was about imposing his personality he clearly has the technical ability just imposing his personality on the game i think is really really important um, so just wanted him to do more of that, really. Just get on the ball, move it, show your intent, play the pass, demand the ball, get it, move it, give and go, you know, dictate to your teammates, say, you know, I'm coming here, go there. Just be just be more imposing. And and I thought we saw more of that in this game, which is encouraging, really, because we need him to be able to give us that 
on days when Odegaard isn't there. And in this game, Odegaard wasn't there through illness, as wasn't uh, Kieran Tierney. So um, it was good to see that. I think there is a degree to which in this game, our sloppiness really was our downfall. It wasn't really so much Sporting's um, ability. It was more us letting them in. And Sporting had a chance early on. Um, there was a long ball over the top into um, defensive half space, which again, we know teams love to do against us just because we know we vacate those spaces. Pedro Gonzalez, you know, runs head down on the left, cuts inside of Saliba and curls the ball wide. Um, he really should have done better there. That could have been a goal. And it's something we're going to need to be aware of and Saliba's going to need to be aware of because we go to Fulham next. And I'll talk about that later, but they've got a player in Solomon who's playing really well, who very much loves to go on the left, cut onto his right and whip a ball into the top corner. So Saliba's going to be, need to be mindful of those kind of chances. But nonetheless, it, was, it didn't matter too much because we managed to get our goal. Um, corner for us, Vieira, beautiful crossing um, from the left-hand side. Saliba rose to meet in the air. Keeper had no chance, 1-0 to the Arsenal, simple. At this point, I was kind of hoping we just keep control of the ball, you know, let them chase us, pass it around, take the 1-0, maybe get a second and kill the tie. However, this was definitely not that kind of game. They brought it back to 1-1 um, not too long afterwards, uh, crossed um, from a corner from Edwards, and Carlo scored uh, for Sporting. He was the person who had the shot in the first place that Turner saved well and put wide that led to the led to the corner at the time i was looking at kivio because he looked like he just ducked from the challenge which would have been appalling i mean you'd be you know you'd, you'd go easy on the kid it's his first game but it, it looked really bad on the replay at, my eyes weren't drawn to turner at that point i just saw kivio duck from the challenge and i thought oh that's bad but um when you go back it does look like he gets a call from Turner. And in any case, that Turner has to deal with that. It's sort of right in his zone, right in his area. He sees it perfectly. No one is obstructing him. He can easily jump for that and punch it clear. He needs to come for that. He does really badly for that. And that's uncharacteristic for him because he tends to be a good shot stopper and good at clearing his, his box. So he'll be very, very, very disappointed with himself for that goal. Um, a lot of criticism for Turner for this game. And I understand why he hasn't played since January. So he, he is going to be a little bit rusty. He was already not great with the ball at his feet, having not had much game time since the FA Cup game against um, City to practice that. He's going to be rustier still, but he has to get better. Um, he did fine for the most part, a couple of wobbly moments, but yeah, he's definitely going to look at that and, and think to himself, I could have done better. In the first half, obviously, it descended into a bit of a scrappy game, particularly after our first goal where there was a bit of issues between uh, Coates and uh, Zinchenko, which spilled over for a little while. I think they were trying to rile our players up, maybe get someone cautioned and, you know, maybe try and get someone sent off. I don't think there was anything in it. I just think were, it was gamesmanship from them. Coates did manage to get himself booked, so he'll be missing the return fixture, which is, you know, big for them because... Um, he is their captain and he's sort of their talisman at the back. So him not being at the back for them will be something they miss. Um, they, of course, were missing a central midfielder as well for this game, Agate, but I think he should be back for the next fixture, um, which might mean we'll see Pedro Gonzalez move further forward instead of Trincao. But that's for next week, quite frankly. Um, by the time it was half time, you could see that we were dominating the game, but just not doing much with it. You know, we had 71% possession. Um, we had almost double, I think maybe even more than double, the, the passes that they had. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely had more than double passes completed. 66.2% field to it in our favour, 34 final third entries. Um, but, you know, the expected goals was 0 0.6 to their 0 0.9. So that kind of tells you that despite all the threat, the chances they were getting were just slightly better than us. And... Um, so that was a warning for us going into the second half that, you know, we needed to make our talent, dominance and superiority count. And we didn't. I mean, the second half started a lot like the first half ended. You know, we had a really good chance, actually, um, where Zinchenko played Martinelli in behind the line, a beautiful pass. If Martinelli gets his head up there, he sees that Vieira is to his right. If he slots it to him, 
it's a tap in, just a square pass across the box. Um, but he goes for the sort of dink, think Van Persie against Milan. He tries to go for the dink and it doesn't work. But still really good play, good passing from Zinchenko and good movement from Martinelli. It very much does look like he can do um, quite a bit of damage at the centre forward position in the right fixtures, in the right games. But we are very much, and it's good actually, because we have a centre forward crisis at the moment with no Jesus back yet, no Trossard back yet, no Eddie and Ketia back yet. And so Martinelli is doing a very good job there. Despite that though, and despite our promising starts in the second half, we find ourselves 2-1 down. Um, Edwards plays a pass through our defence. Gonchavez gets onto the ball, uh, strikes it towards goal, Turner manages to parry, and it just so happens to land right at the feet of Paulinho, the sporting centre forward, who reacts quickest and turns it home from from a, a short distance. It's very casual defending from Jorginho and Kivio, who are a bit slow to turn and, and or cut out the ball between the lines. Um, and Paulinho had quick reactions. Can't really criticise Turner there. He parries it away and it just so happens to fall to, to Paulinho. Um, so it's 2-1. And to be honest, I'm not worried. I still think we're going to make it 2-2. I did not expect it to be such a high-scoring game. Um, but, you know, uh, it, getting a draw in this game wouldn't have been out of the realms of possibilities. I, I was pretty confident we were going to get a narrow win or it was going to be a draw and we take it back to the Emirates. Um, we did nearly get our second goal um, pretty quickly, though, and from what would have been a sensational wonder goal from Martinelli. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, reminiscent of his, you know, marquee goal against Chelsea, where you know he leaves Kante flat on the floor and just sprints through and scores. This one would have been even better. Was um, just a phenomenal solo wonder goal. Martinelli picks up the ball and he picks it up in his, in, you know, in our own half and he dribbles it through and he goes past one player and it looks like another player is going to knock him down and he goes past him and then he's running through and a sporting uh, fullback tries to slide tackle him, last-ditch tackle, he slips past him, suddenly he's bearing down on goal just to keep it to beat, sidesteps the keeper and it looks like all he has to do is slow into the net but just over his left-hand shoulder, St. Juiced is sprinting back and making up the, the, the yards. So just as Martinez is about to slide it into an empty net, St. Juiced is there to, to get in the block and knock it out um, for a corner kick. I really desperately wanted Martinelli to score that, not just for the game, but for him as well. I think it would, you know, really top players have those marquee moments, those goals that really define them. You know, we talk about, when you think about Henri, you think of the swiveling hit against Manchester United, you think of the goal against Spurs, you think of the goal against Liverpool. You know, these players have these moments that just stick into the brain. Dennis Bergkamp, you know, uh, Netherlands versus Argentina, Newcastle, the the spin, which he absolutely meant. You know, big players have these big goals that you remember them for. And it would have been amazing for him to get this goal um, because it was just a phenomenal one. At first, I thought he could have shot earlier rather than try to go around the keeper. But when you watch it back, you can understand exactly why he does what he does. His strike hand didn't really allow for a clean strike earlier. Um, and he obviously didn't see St. Just over his shoulder sprinting back from, from distance. So a really good chance that he made all by himself. And uh, yeah, shame they get to finish off um, for his sake, but really, really good chance. And just after that, Sporting found themselves through on goal as well. Uh, Paulinho managed to get through after a neat ball in behind. He was one-on-one with Turner, basically, and he just shanks it um, wide of the post. He really should have scored that. And if he does, you know, that's 3-1, and this game looks very different if that's the case. Um, I still bet on us to go through at 3-1. If it stayed 3-1, you know, we could easily win 2-0 or 3-0 at the Emirates based on the difference in, in quality. But it adds the pressure that leads to maybe, you know, leaving their opportunities and openings to to extend it in the reverse fixture so yeah 3-1 would have been a problem for sure um and just after they miss that we get our goal it's 2-2 um you know we have the ball we bring it forward Saka manages to win the ball high up for the turnover gives the ball to Shaka it looks I thought he was shooting at first but actually I think he's sort of whipping a a low uh sort of a low pass across the box into um, into Martinelli and it just ricochets off a sporting player and beats the keeper and goes into the net. 2-2, take it every day of the week, do not care. 
thought there was a chance it might be disallowed um, in the build-up from Saka's tackle, uh, but no, no, no doing. You saw the um, the referee wave it away when the sporting players were asking for it, and VAR didn't overturn it. So yeah, after that we saw Zinchenko go off and Tommy Asu come on, and you know I tweeted this at the time and I was saying you know bringing Tommy on is Arteta's way of saying you know he's taking the point, let's go win it at the Emirates. Um, I absolutely think Arteta would have been crying tears of blood and rage at the defensive performance. It was shambolic by this point. Um, you know, the sort of 55 to 65 minute period of the game was sort of Emery era, end of Emery era defending. You know, it was chaos. Um, both teams were playing like it was sort of the last minute of the second leg and both teams needed a single goal to go through. It was manic, unnecessarily manic. Um we have the ability to carve them open. Um, I was not worried about all game. The only issue was, like I said, if we weren't 3-1 down, problems we definitely did not need. Um, but fortunately, we managed to get the goal 2-2. And to be honest, you know, I think it was around the 70th minute, we saw Gabriel, Partey and smith come on for Kivio, Jorginho and Nelson. Nelson had a pretty quiet game, though he looked sprightly in moments. Um, he was always going to have a bit of a come down from, you know, the Bournemouth game. That was such a ridiculous uh, situation. They would have been difficult to 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 top it. It was it's on him to show that he can do a job um, in this position. He wants to convince Arteta that he should get another contract and he want to show what he can do. He did fine in this game, not bad, not great, just fine. Um, which, to be honest, if he can put if he can give us some decent performances between now and you know the next few weeks until after the international break, then you know fantastic because we need to get some players back fully fit so we can have a you know, we can have a, a whole squad that we can go at the the running with, um, and yeah, you could see that bringing in Party and Gabriel brought more defensive control, which led to ending the chaos. After that, we put our foot on the ball. We were just outplaying them by that point, and that's how the game should have gone from the start. But nonetheless, the game ends two two, and yeah, we are definitely the dominant team. They have a better ex- expected goals than us. Uh, stats from Canada stats, by the way. Shout out to them. Um, but we had 15 shots to their 10, eight shots on target to their six, 67.7% possession to their 32.3, you know, 73.7% field tilt to their 26.3%, and 66 final third entries to their 30. So, I mean, when you look at, compare the expected goals where we were 1.9 to their 2.0, the expected threat created, we had 4.0 to their 1.6. I mean, we had the quality, we had the talent, we had the territory, we had the ball. We ultimately just needed to be a bit more clinical and have a bit less chaos. Um, sometimes you just have to look at a game and recognize what it's offering. This game was offering take the draw, whoop them at home. That's what this game was telling you. The chaos would suggest that if you kept trying to win this game here, you'd leave openings for them to to hit you with a sucker punch. So take what the game is offering, take the point, go back to the Emirates, beat them. There's no fuss, there's no hassle, there's no issue. It's not something people, you know, we need to get worked up about or be stressed about. It's a Europa League tie away from home against a decent side. You take the draw, you beat them um, in your at your own stadium. And that's what we need to do. What happens next week is for next week. Um, what I will say is that in terms of some of the performances we saw, um, yeah. Saliba took more of a senior role playing alongside Kivio, which I thought was really good to see. Um, normally, you know, Gabriel is, of course, the senior centre-back partner and they have a really good relationship, Gabriel and, and Saliba, but with Saliba playing with Kivio, um, yeah, Saliba definitely took charge. I mean, there was a moment and, you know, it came before they scored their second, unfortunately, but, you know, Sporting were on the break and you just saw Saliba charging back scanned the area, saw where the danger was going to be and put himself right where he needed to be to stop a cross a pass across the box from being tapped into the net. It was really, really good, solid defending and he did that all game. He was brilliant for the entire game. For me, he was the difference between winning and losing, um, not just for his goal, but for his defending as well. Um, quick word for Rob Holding. This game does not bode well for him. Um, it was going to be holding or Kivio, and the fact it was Kivio, I don't think was just about giving Kivio a debut. I think it's a clear sign that everyone knows, Arteta knows, holding knows that he is not long for this squad, and our football has bypassed him. You know, the defenders we have in the squad, 
and I include Kivia in this because he hasn't played much. It's been a while since he played. He's only had a few 45 under 21 minutes before this game. Um, we we should have the players to be able to deal with last, last ditch defending. Holding's brilliant at it. You know, 5-3-2, bring him on, shout out game. He's fantastic at it because he's a fantastic low block defender. Um, but our team needs defenders that can do that and more. And it's the and more that Holding really struggles with. And so the fact that away from home against a team like Sporting, who have been inconsistent this season, and he didn't play at all, particularly when we wanted to see out the game, I think tells you where we're at with Rob Holding. I'm not. He obviously will play again at some point this season. We'll need him at some point this season. And he is a consummate professional and someone who is to be liked and respected and is very much so around the club. But um, from a footballing perspective, solely footballing perspective, I think it tells you a lot about where he is. Um, I have no doubt that him and his agent will be discussing options in the summer. Um, but that's again for the summer. Thought Kivio had a decent game. Good, not great. Um, you know, like I said, he, he he will wish he could have done a bit better in moments. But for a debut, you know, you take it. Certainly take it. Um, spoke about Vieira before, you know, thought he was very good on the day. Like I said, start to show his quality and personality. And having a player like him with the likes of Odegaard, Smithrow, Shaka, um, we are very fortunate. He keeps progressing. Um, he gets on the ball. He's got amazing technique. He can, you know, drift in without the ball through the lines to receive a chip over the top. He can whip in a ball um, in swinger uh, from the right. You know, he can play a through ball through the lines, corner kick, free kick. The guy is talented. He's got the techers. He just needs to bulk up a little bit, get used to the physicality, get used to the rhythm of the game. But having a player like him with the other players we have, we are very, very fortunate. And if he keeps progressing well, he will turn into a very important player for us. Um, I'm hearing that there's a few grumbles, you know, about him amongst some fans. Um, personally, I'm not seeing that on my timeline. But what I would say, if people are feeling some type of way, He's a young player, new league, new team. Be patient. Give him the serenity to grow. There's definitely something there. It's just on him and the club to see what they can they can do with it. Um, but yeah, I not too much more to say about that game because, quite frankly, like I said, this Europa League game, first leg. I don't want to say who cares because obviously we all care, but like there's only so much I can get worked up about an away fixture in the Europa League at this stage, you know. If it was a really bad performance and we were cataclysmically bad, fair enough. But this is exactly the type of fixture you find sometimes in a Europe League away game where you're just not quite at your best. You've rotated, you've lost the fluency, you're a bit tetchy. You give them some openings, you take the draw, you go back to the Emirates. We're the better team, ball them off the park at the Emirates and then let's let's move on. Um, so that's it for me for part one. Part two, we'll do a quick look ahead to the game against Fulham. And let's look at what we expect from that game. So join me in part two, people. What's good, people? It's part two of the Hybrid Club podcast. It's your boy Caesar here. Um, looking ahead now to the Fulham game, because quite frankly, I really don't want to think and or talk about the sporting game much longer because you. Um, quickly, I will say, though, really, really getting sick of the Europa League. I don't know how you guys feel. I'm sick of it. I'm so done with it. I do want to win it because it's a European trophy. I've said this before. I'm, I really am desperate to see Arsenal lift European silverware again. Um, haven't done it since, you know, the, the Cup Winners' Cup, uh, you know, when it gets Palmer in the early 90s. But I'm, I'm I'm sick of it. Honestly, I'm sick of the music. I'm sick of the team. I'm sick of the games. Um, you know, the, the teams we play in Europe League, they're good, they're decent. Um, and when you get down to the the final stages, you're either playing against very, very good European sides or, you know, essentially Champions League sides playing in the Europa League. But to have played in it all these seasons and not won it once is despicable. And so give me that you give me that Europa League trophy or don't waste my time with it. Because honestly, I'm I'm beyond sick of it. So anyway, with that being said, we look ahead to Fulham. Um we're currently seeking our fifth Premier League win in a row. This will be the only the second time this season we've done that. Um 
we're going to need to put together a, a run of wins if we want any chance of winning the Premier League. And as far as I'm aware, I haven't looked at their most recent one. But as far as I'm aware, I don't think Man City have put together more than a game of uh, more than a run of three or four wins on the bounce in the Premier League this season. Almost is five at the start of the season. Um, that was right up until the the loss against United. So we're trying to match that record this weekend when we make the short trip west to meet fellow Londoners, Fulham at Craven College. On Monday, uh, Marcus Silva's Fulham lost 3-2 to Brentford. That was West London derby. Um, they had a seven-game unbeaten run, which came to an end after that loss. And of course, we've just drawn 2-2 against Sporting. So, um, you know, both sides in their last two games failed to get the win. Different circumstances, of course, different competitions. Um, but nonetheless, both sides are obviously going to want to get back to winning ways. So Fulham themselves are having a great season. They're in seventh place. They're 90 minutes away from Wembley. They've got an FA Cup quarterfinal against Manchester United. Like us, they are very much overachieving expectations. They would have taken 17th and Marco Silva would have been considered um, of having done a great job if he did that. But he is doing wonders for Fulham because not only are they doing well this season, they're playing well as well. It's not like they're just sort of scraping by sort of kicking teams off the pitch, Stoke football, they're playing football, they're defending well. This is not something you would associate with Fulham over the years. Um, don't get me wrong, they've been known as a good footballing side, but a side that's eminently get atable. And this season, that has not been the case. Usually it's, you know, a good place to go, nice day out by the river, not this season. Um, my impression of this game is either we're in for a bit of a batshit crazy high-scoring game, or this is going to be a hard-fought 1-0. That's that. I I don't really see it being in between. Um, there is absolutely no guarantee we win this one, and I'm mentally and psychologically preparing myself for some dropped points because they're a very, very, very good side. Um, they're maybe not at their absolute best that they have been this season, so now might be a decent time to play them, particularly given their tackling talisman, uh, Jao Polina, who has been fantastic this season if you have not watched any clips of him go watch him he has been sensational and i'm certain um bigger clubs will be sniffing around for him very very soon in fact i think fulham got him from sporting actually um he was one of the midfielders they lost that sort of impacted sporting season but he's been sensational so it might be a good time to play fulham because paulinia is serving his second of his um two-match ban, um, which means he'll miss the game against Arsenal, which is great for us. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's going to be a tough one. So I'm still hopeful we can win. We should still win. We are still the quote-unquote better side. But as I said, styles win fights. It's not about which team is necessarily better. It's about which team has the tools to take advantage of the other team's weaknesses. And we have all the tools to beat them because we just have the quality of player and, you know, we are very much better than them in that regard. But they have a couple of very distinct qualities to their team that play to some very serious problems that we have in ours. Um, and that's probably where I'll, I'll start in terms of some of the talking points for this game. Set-piece goals. We have conceded far too many set piece goals i i you know i'm aware i'm not the only person talking about this but it is a problem um you know the there's been talk before from the manager and the players of the need to kind of resolve this but we're just giving away far too many of them we conceded a set piece against sporting you know conceded um set piece against bournemouth um we conceded um a set piece against Brentford against Everton, um, against Manchester United. You know, it's it's that our goals right now are either coming from set pieces or individual errors, and there are too many of them. Um, other than a couple of goals in recent weeks, pretty much all of our goals that we've conceded, probably from the United game all all the way till now, come from either an individual error or a set piece. And that's that's really what it is. And so those need to be cut out immediately. Fulham absolutely have the players to take advantage of us from set pieces. Most notably, of course, Mitrovic, who is having a fantastic season 
for them and defying people who thought that he couldn't cut it at this level. Um, you know, they've got players who are very, very, very adept at um, delivering balls to him. You know, there are there are players like um, Pereira, uh, Willian, Solomon, Tete, Robinson. All of these players can put in balls for Mitrovic to take advantage of. So if we're not careful, um, not just in terms of set pieces, but aerial duels, we're going to find, find ourselves in trouble. So the Fulham game, again, is a very good opportunity to um, test our ability to fix that because we can't leave this to be unresolved for the you know the next month or so. It has to be fixed immediately because, um, yeah, otherwise we're going to find ourselves dropping some very, very winnable points. Um, probably the other discussion point for me is the idea of away points. Um, we have a very, very good away um away record of this season we've won all of our away london derbies in the 2022-2023 season um and we have a statistically very good record against fulham but as i said before this fulham isn't like the fulham of old you know you used to be able to bring your sun hat bring your ray-bans rock up to fulham you know chat to the fans lovely bunch of people good family club you know have a few drinks by the river chill out, stroll to the game. You know, it's a nice stadium, quaint, cute by the river, you know, good vibes. You go there, nice sunny day, your players ball around, score some lovely goals, and then you walk away going, that was a nice day at the at, at, at the football. Take your three points and move on. It's definitely not going to be that this season. That is not what, what you're going to expect. Um, right now, we start the weekend five points clear. However, Man City would have played Palace, who we play next week. Um the day before our game. So our lead at the top could be reduced to um, two points by the time we kick off against Fulham. So the pressure is going to be on us to um, get the win. One thing in our favour, of course, is we do have the Premier League's best um, away record this season. We've got six wins from our last seven games um, away from home, and we've conceded a joint loan nine goals um, away from home this season. So... We're in a position where we are showing a lot of resilience on our travels. And part of the reason I think this is important is because we need to make the Emirates, quote-unquote, a fortress, right? We need the the Emirates to be the red citadel. We need the carpet to be our home where we dominate and we take points because we're going to have some pretty significant um, fixtures away from home where we're going to be expecting the team to do better than they've done in recent years. You know, we're still going to have to go away to um, Newcastle. We're going to have to go away to Anfield. We're going to have to go away to the Etihad. Um, so picking up as many away points as possible while solidifying our home form is really how we get this done. And Fulham are a very, very good team right now, but they're still a team we would hope to beat. They're, they're a very, very good team, but they're still a team we'd hope to beat. So given that they're overperforming expectation, and they're a team that have shown an ability to take points off teams that they should otherwise be expected to lose to. If we can take points off them, they can do us a favour later in the season by taking points off other people. They still have to play Man City. And when they played Man City earlier in the season, though they lost 2-1, they really shouldn't have. Man City got a player sent off, Fulham were 1-0 up, and they conceded two late goals to Erling Haaland. Ridiculous way to lose. Nine times out of ten, that does not happen. They had a chance to take a full three points off Man City and didn't. So make no mistake, while City beat them, City should not have beaten them. And they have the ability to do that to teams. They got a 2-2 draw against Liverpool um, in August. And again, Mitrovic absolutely bodying Liverpool's defence. You know, absolutely dominates Trent in the air. Pure hang time, gets the header at the back post takes on Van Dyke, wins the penalty, puts it away. You know, he was silencing critics from early, so we cannot, cannot, cannot underestimate what this team can do. Um, I still expect us to be the better team. I still expect us to dominate the ball. I still expect us to impose our football on them and create chances. We just have to make sure we take them. And with our striker shortage, taking chances is going to be something we're really going to need to focus on. Um, and while I am thinking very much about us in the attacking part of the pitch. I think the um, 
focus in terms of important players for me is the defensive part of the pitch because I very much trust our forward line and our eights to create chances. Um, I very much believe that, you know, if we can get Odegaard back from illness and Zinchenko uh, carries on with his attack in this place that we've seen, you know, I very much expect us to have opportunities to unpick the locks. What I'm curious about is how we defend uh, because our defending has been severely lacking in recent weeks. We had, you know, a couple of good games um, against Leicester and Everton. Um, but, you know, around that, there's been some pretty shambolic defending at times. So, um, Gabriel, for example, last game against Fulham, Mitrovic got his 100th goal from Fulham um, from a Gabriel mistake. He sort of dawdled on the ball too much. Mitrovic took the ball off him in the penalty area, slotted it past, um, past Ramsdale. Um, they went ahead, but we came back. Heard that story before. Can't be doing that again. No more mistakes. Um, there was redemption for him in that game for Gabriel, of course, in that game as he got the late winner. Um, corner came in, scramble at the near post. He pokes it past Leno. Um, I think he also scored against Fulham in an earlier fixture in his Arsenal career. But in any case, um, Gabriel was going to need to revert to being the senior centre-back and dominate Um get into those battles of Mitrovic, draw him into those battles, because we know one thing Mitrovic will like to do is to spot the weak link in the defence and go for it. And then instance, it might be Zinchenko at the back post challenging for headers. So he may well try to peel off and aim for Zinchenko and try to get onto some headers um, in, in that territory. Um, there's Saliba as well. Solomon will be no doubt on Fulham's left, trying to cut in on his right. So he'll be attacking the side that is marshaled by Ben White and Saliba. Um, so Saliba being the person who covers the right defensive half space when Ben White pro progresses forward, um, he's going to be, have to be switched on because Solomon is in very, very, very good form right now. He is very alive. His movement is brilliant. Um, he has a particular desire to cut inside and just fire balls across the face of the goal and into the top corner. So, you know, kind of like in the sporting game, early chance sporting had, um, ball came in, I think it was Goncalves who sort of cut in and shot, bent the ball wide. Um, you remember, of course, Ollie Watkins um, beating uh, Saliba for the Villa goal as well. So it's something he's going to need to do. We know his 1v1 defending is really, really good. It's just sort of dropped off a little bit in recent weeks. So we know he can do it. We just need him to up the levels to make sure that that isn't something that they can capitalise on. And Zinchenko, like I said, we need his talent. We need him switched on defensively. Like I said, I suspect Mitrovic may well try to peel off onto him to try and beat him in the air for any deep crosses to the back post. Like I said, hopefully Gabriel's alive so this can take over the burden. But um, in attack, we know that Fulham will try to cover the spaces between the lines, you know, have their midfielders there to block any passes, um, you know, in behind them, that kind of thing. Zinchenko is very adept at finding ways to unlock um, those kind of low blocks so we'll need his accuracy of passing and his creativity and his ingenuity to to get ahead for Fulham though spoke about Mitrovic um, you know he's a, he's, he's a top class striker you know he's really really good really strong really powerful um, a great focal point for them great out ball so you know they can build up from the back if they want, but they've got the out ball straight to him and he's often able to hold up the ball and, and get them back in the game and gain them territory. So we'll just need to make sure we'll be on him. I've known that the Gabriel will take the lead in going up against Mitrovic and I've known that the Mitrovic will try and move on to Saliba or even possibly Zinchenko in moments. Um, spoke about Solomon as well. He's scoring for fun. We were reportedly interested in him at one point. Um, really tricky wide player, low centre of gravity. Fulham managed to pick him up after everything that's happened in Ukraine. Um, he was at Shakhtar um, and was able to get a move following the uh, FIFA rules there. Um, he's got a brilliant shot coming on to his right from the left. So again, White Saliba just needs to be mindful of that. Uh, might need a couple of uh, decent Ramsdale saves that he's, he's been known to pull out every now and again. And speaking of Arsenal goalkeepers, of course, Leno plays for Fulham, a brilliant acquisition. He's been speaking recently saying, you know, he has no animosity towards the club. Just didn't really, you know, didn't really leave um, the way he wanted. And, you know, the price tag for him is way too cheap, which we all said and knew at the time, but we all understood exactly what the situation was. He wanted to stay in London. Fulham were the ones on the offer. We needed to get him off the books. 
the deal was the deal. We don't need to relitigate it. Um, he's being very, very good for them as he was for us. Solid goalkeeper, good servant of the club. Um, won trophies while he was here, liked, respected. Um, like I said, he seemed to have some issues with the execs rather than the whole, the club as a whole. So more power to him. But just for this weekend, I hope he has a few howlers. He chucks it into his own net. We get the win and move on. A player who I think a lot of Arsenal fans have a lot less respect for, Willian. What the hell is going on? Came to us, looked garbage. Leaves, goes to Brazil, has a pretty torrid time from a personal point of view by all accounts. Comes back to London, um, goes to West London where he seems to enjoy himself. This time, um, the white side of West London, playing for Fulham. And honestly, he has been fantastic for them. He goes back to looking exactly like the Fulham, the, the William of old. In terms of uh, Fulham's style of play, um, they usually line up with sort of a 4-2-3-1 or 4-1-4-1, depending on how defensive they're trying to be. Um, and they try to focus on ball retention and sort of a particularly focused pressing style. So not just like a wild sort of um, all over the place pressing they press in very specific instances and they're very focused away to win the ball back and create turnovers in very specific parts of the pitch um when building up from the back they'll try to get us to press them um leaving gaps in behind that they can then exploit so you may see they'll have two center backs sit sort of almost right by the keeper um then they'll have their full backs a little bit higher up and uh, wider either side of them um so it'll look a bit like the keeper two centre-backs and just wider um, on either side of the penalty area, two full-backs. Um, they'll then have a player in the role of the six, stood um, sort of in that number six position just ahead of the D, and they'll have two players flanking um, their six, sort of either side forming a triangle with that six being the tip of the triangle. Um, so the idea being that they've got their players situated to play out in spaced out ways, drawing you into them, and then they'll use this sort of very precise passing combination to bypass the press. And if they can't do that, they'll draw you in and play the ball over the top. And with the way we play, the way we leave those defensive half spaces open, that's exactly what they'll be looking to do. And they'll have out balls and plays like um, Solomon there, Pereira there to try and um, get the ball into dangerous positions. Given our bad spells of defending recently, you know, Bournemouth at points, sporting at points, will really, really, really need to be careful on, on in this way. Um, they'll also try to get the ball wide and play across the box into dangerous positions or play at the back post of Mitrovic where he can meet it again. See, for example, his goal against Liverpool earlier in the season. Um, I do think we may see him in those instances where, uh, where Fulham have the ball in wide areas. He may just peel off to the back post to try and get on a Zichenko so for you know Pereira or Solomon to whip in the ball to the back post for him to, to beat him. So again, it's something we'll just need to be mindful of. Um, if we try to drive forward centrally, um, I suspect that they will press. I suspect that they'll press together to compress the space. Um, Fulham did this to us in the reverse fixture quite a few times. On one occasion, uh, we managed to get the better of it with Saka and Odegaard using sort of individual brilliance in their dribbling to bypass it. Saka driving forward into the press, slips it to Erdegaard, who does a step over mid-stride and then fires the ball, the deflection, of course, bringing the game back to 1-1 before we eventually go on to win it. Um, so we will need some individual creativity and ability to beat their press and beat the, the, the way they press in central spaces and compress the central space. Um, they do that in part to try and drive you uh, wide so you play on the flanks. They'll focus on most of their defenders and midfielders in protecting the central space, and then they'll expect their wide players who work very hard to come back and help defend the flanks. Um, so they'll position themselves almost like a flat back six in a straight line, um, protecting the spaces in between, and then they'll start to press when you get the ball centrally. So ultimately, we'll just need to be very quick, very precise in our passing, and take our opportunities when they come. It's not very complicated. With our positional play, we attack those attacking channels. With the way they defend, they defend those attacking channels. So it's very much just going to be about our ability to play quickly, to not doodle on the ball, um, so that when they compress those central spaces, we play through it, or we take our chances with a long shot, like Shaka did, like Erdogan, like Shaka did against Fulham, like Erdogan, Erdogan did against Fulham earlier. 
And um, yeah, we'll just have to take our chances and try not to give them too many at the back, particularly in the air from corners, from free kicks or otherwise. Um, now, of course, like I said, in terms of the lineups, Paulinho is serving his um, second game of his two-game ban after accumulating 10 yellow cards. So it'll be Lukic starting in midfield for Fulham, unless, of course, Tom Kearney comes back and is preferred. But I suspect it'll be Lukic. They don't have a Kozawa or Cabano. They're both injured, while Cedric can't play because he's cup-tied. I, see, I hear a lot of Arsenal uh, a lot of Arsenal hearts breaking at the thought of that, but there we are. Um, suspect Leno and Willian will play, so I think Fulham will be pretty um, well stocked for the game. Really. Um, meanwhile, for us, of course, I think the game probably comes too quickly for Eddie, Trossard, and Jesus. Elneny long-term absentee, but the hope is that the likes of T and Odegaard will come back from illness for this fixture. Um, so fully expected to see the likes of Party, Gabriel and Ramsdale back in the starting lineup for this game. So I think we're probably looking at a lineup of Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Sinchenko, Shaka, Party, Erdegaard, Saka, Martinelli and Nelson. Um, I think that's pretty much what we're looking at, but we'll see. In any case, that's it for me, people. Fingers crossed we managed to get the um, full three points on the weekend. Like I said, by the time we play Fulham, City would have already played Palace, so we'll know whether or not um, they drop any points there or whether or not, you know, they claw back the lead to, they claw back our lead to just two points. The pressure will be on when we play. The team are good enough. We just have to cut out the silly mistakes. Let's hope this game isn't one of those chaotic ones like Bournemouth. Let's hope it's not, a, you know, like one against Villa. We're looking for more of a Leicester. We're looking for more of an Everton at home. Let's go out there. You know, let's play them off the pitch. Let's get a 1-0 or a 2-0. No stress, no drama. And then move on to the sporting second leg. Anyway, that's it from me, people. It's your boy Caesar here. You know where to find me at C-E-A-S-E-S-A-W-Y-S. You know where to find us at the Hybrid Club on the socials. Please do like, subscribe, follow, retweet, repost, all of that good shit. And we will talk to you on Monday after the Fulham game. Have a good one, people. In a bit. In a bit.